Grief Stories is not a crisis resource. Please seek support from a qualified professional in your area to meet your unique emotional and medical needs. You are listening to the Grief Stories podcast. I'm your host, Maureen Pollard, a social worker with an interest in helping people find hope and healing when someone they love has died. In each episode, you'll hear a real person sharing their story of loss and the insights they have gained that help them on their journey with grief. At Grief Stories, we're helping grief make sense one story at a time. Today's guest is Mary Krause. In conversation with me, about information available to people as they approach the end of life. So welcome to the Grief Stories podcast, Mary. How are you doing today? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm good. You are here today to talk with me about the idea that there are a lot of myths and misconceptions about grief and end of life and the the fact that partly those myths and misconceptions can be ongoing because people don't have enough information about what is happening and what might happen as they go through those experiences. So thank you for joining us. I'm glad to be here. It's an important conversation to have. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that um, information is so valuable and sometimes um, we don't know what we don't know, right? And so in, in your role, one of your, your responsibilities is making sure that people have enough information and that they're getting information kind of on a steady flow. Um, so what do you think are some of the myths and misconceptions that um, are key that your work of communication on behalf of a hospice helps to send out the information that you send out that's that's helping people understand things that are important and commonly misunderstood? Well, I think that there are a lot of misconceptions about dying and about grief, uh, particularly in Western traditions, because grief and the concept of death and dying for many decade has been removed from the home. So for for quite a long period of time now, people have gone away and died in the hospital. And that has separated us from the very natural transition that death is in every single one of our lives. None of us are getting out of here alive. We're all going to ultimately lose people and we are all ultimately going to die ourselves. And because we've not been as close to it as we once were, it's been easy to sweep things away and people have become very uncomfortable talking about it. And they're not uncomfortable from a place of trying to be hurtful. If They're actually not talking about it because they want to be kind. They don't want to upset anyone. But for many people, talking about their grief is what helps them move forward. And so... It's very important for people to, to, to be talking about it. And then the, the sort of the big misconception that has really found its way into popular culture is this idea of the stages of grief. And when Elizabeth Kubler-Ross originally came up with that, it had you know, a very specific person, purpose. There, these were the stages of grief that a person who is dying goes through not the people around the person who is dying, but the person themselves. But it's been turned into this idea that 
people are going to go through these very linear stages of grief. And then when people don't go through those very linear stages of grief, they're, they're confused and they're not sure what's happening. And they don't, they don't understand that, that grief can be up and down, that it's really symptoms, not these stages. And they, it can be emotions and physical reactions that aren't covered in those five stages. It can be anxiety. It can be sleeplessness. It can be irritability. It can be that headache that's been nagging you for the past three weeks. So it's really important for people to get a handle on the idea that there are many different symptoms of grief, many different signs of grief, and it's not going to play out the same way for everybody. Every loss is unique and every person's reaction to those individual losses is going to be unique. Yes, I think what you're saying is so important. Um, I completely agree that when we moved away from taking care of our own people after death or as they are dying um, into institutionalizing end-of-life care in hospitals um, and, you know, um, funeral care in an uh, industry, um, we lost a lot of information that would have been passed from generation to generation as people cared for their own family members. And um, then that leads to this idea of taking a theory like the stages of grief and um, having it sort of um, made into this application that we think is going to apply to everyone when it really, really doesn't, right? Um, but because we don't have that information passed from one generation to the next through the process of, of observing and caring in the home, um, there's a void there, uh, an information void. Um, and in that, we, can, we fill it in with um, ideas like it should be linear because there's this theory, right? Or, or it should only contain these parts um, because there's this other theory right? And I think what you're saying is absolutely right. Um, we need to be prepared and people need to, you know, be aware that every person is different, just like you said, and every loss for every person is different. So even you or I might experience um, one loss and have some experience of grief and then lose another person and have a completely different experience of grief related to the relationship or the, the, the cause of death or the timing or any of those things, right? Absolutely. And I also think that there is this sense of stoicism that people have around grief where they, they think that they get a set period of time to mourn. So in that first week after a loss, they expect to be sad. But as the weeks and the months go by, they expect that it's going to be done. And grief really doesn't work like that. It's not on any timetable. Uh, and you can be happy and feel like you're in a good place with your grief for a few weeks and then hear something or see something and go right back to the beginning of, of that grief cycle. So... I think that people need to be a little kinder on themselves and you know, don't, don't expect things to be over quickly. And by the same token, people who are supporting someone who is grieving need to understand that this is a process that can and very likely will take time. And even though 
their job only gave them gave them a few days off at the beginning, they, their grief doesn't end then. It's they don't come back to work and they're okay. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's so very true that um, you know we have this sort of idea that there's a timeline for grief. You know, um, I mean you might get a day off or you might get three days off depending on the relationship, or you might get no days off depending on the relationship with the person who died um, and your workplace policies. Um, And then there's this, this idea that people should bounce back when uh, they're experiencing grief, that it should pass. And sometimes people's thought about how, how long it should take to pass Um, are fairly kind of rigid. Their expectations might be pretty rigid. And I think, like you said, that that really, um, it sets people up for difficulty when they have these expectations about timeframes that just aren't realistic. And and as you mentioned, we do have different relationships with different people. And I think it's important for people to recognize that even if your workplace doesn't give you a set number of days off for bereavement of an aunt or a friend, that doesn't mean that that's not a major loss for that person. You know, I think, you know, if someone loses a child, that's an extreme tragedy. If someone loses a parent, people recognize that as an extreme loss. But depending on the relationship you have with a person, a friend, a, a distant relative, those can be equally devastating to the person who has lost them. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I think that that idea being that each person, as they're experiencing loss and as they're going through the process of mourning, really has to, as you said earlier, be sensitive and kind to themselves in their own process. A lot of times I talk to people about grieving in their own time and in their own way. And so a part of the things that I do include sharing with them different ideas for how they might honor their grief or honor the memory of their loved one and and letting them know there are some choices out there in terms of sharing information and helping them find their own way and not expecting them to follow anybody else's own way. That to me feels like another important piece of information to share with people to help them break down these myths and misconceptions. And it's also important for them to be aware that there are people like you and there are hotlines and there are support groups that are out there to help if you're struggling with loss. And there are so many different types of grief support now that you can really access the style that's going to work for you. If you want to be part of a group where other people have experienced a similar loss, that exists. If you want one-on-one support and therapy, that exists. If you need to call an employment hotline number for employee assistance, that exists. There are just so many ways that you can connect with support. And it can be under your name. It can be anonymously. There's just a ton of ways for people to find help if they look for it. And if you need help, it's important that you do look for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and so, I mean, I think that there are a lot of different places to look. You know, certainly internet searches give us a lot of information about places locally and and also places available, not necessarily physically locally, but but accessible by virtue of the internet. 
this year certainly has been a year where virtual resources have really opened up in North America, for sure. Is there is there something that you're finding is important for people to know about accessing virtual resources, you know, with your work these days? I mean, I think the biggest thing is to know that they there those virtual resources are happening. There are virtual support groups. And while that may not be the same as an in-person support group, there are things about it that can be a benefit. You can access a support group for your specific type of loss. So for example, if you're a widow or you've lost a child, you can find a support group for people who are going through that same experience and it doesn't need to be in your town. It can be on the other side of the country. But now, because it's online, you're able to join that group. You can also, you also don't have to worry about commutes and things like that. So there really are a wide range of ways of reaching those virtual support groups. And if it's someone who struggles with technology, who just hears the word Zoom and is already tuning it out, reach out to the people who are running that group because there may be another way for you to connect. You maybe just be able to call in. Don't be afraid to to ask if that way of connecting isn't the right way for you. They they're going to know some they're going to have some ideas about ways that you can connect. Mhm. And I think that that phrase that you just said, which is don't be afraid to ask is such an important phrase because when people ask, they get some information. They're much more likely to get the information they need to make the right decision for them, to find out what's out there so they know what their choices are. And that's that's true even about the things we were talking earlier in terms of um, are these signs and symptoms normal for this experience that I'm having? Am I doing this the right way? Not being afraid to ask those questions can help people find their own path through and to feel more confident in their grieving process, I think. And I think it can be just be helpful to talk through with someone. If you feel like your grief is continuing longer than you expected or is hitting you harder than you expected, but you feel like you're doing things to cope, it can be good to talk through those methods of coping because a lot of the things that people do to cope, like diving into more work so they don't have to think about it isn't really a good long-term coping mechanism. It's really just putting off those feelings that you're going to have to deal with at some point or another. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. When we're left to our own devices, we can find ourselves falling into a rut that works for a little while or works for part of the time, but doesn't necessarily work in the long term. And so that sense of Again, um, having enough information to know how do you add to your coping toolbox? How do you develop uh, a few additional skills to the to supplement the ones that you're already using that are getting you by but might not get you all the way through? Exactly. And I think that it's really important for people to be clear that moving forward through the grief recovery process does not mean that you are gonna forget about this person or you're not going to be sad that they're gone. You're always gonna be sad that they're gone. You're always going to miss them. It's learning to find a way to live with that loss and have that person and their memory be, in, be a part of your life in a positive way so that you can continue to move forward with your own life. 
Mm -hmm. I sometimes talk about that as the idea of carrying the story. It becomes uh, a part of uh, just a part of your life story. Sometimes I talk about the, the idea that when the loss first happened, it's the only thing that you can see in your story. It's, it's big, it's powerful, it's right in front of you. In time, you, you learn how to carry it as a part of your whole story. And you weave it into all the other stories that you have about your life and your losses and your strengths and your and your successes and so forth. And I think that's it's not about forgetting. It's about it's about making it a part of your whole uh, tapestry. Absolutely. And I think that some you know some of the things, some of the coping tools that that people use, like writing or journaling or creating memory boxes or creating a specific ritual or, or a holiday ornament for their loved one that's going to be on the tree every year, those those things really embrace that spirit of carrying that person with them. Yeah, I, I do. When I meet in person with groups, that's a lot of the work we do. A couple times a year, we do something creative like that, that brings that something they can bring forward with them. Yeah, it's important uh, to me, it's important to recognize and honor and learn about grief so that you can be comfortable with the fact that it is so much a part of our life. There's, like you said at the very beginning, there's no getting away from it. It's going to be part of everyone's life. Is there anything that we haven't covered in our little conversation about myths and misconceptions and sharing information that you think is an important point that we should uh, should cover? Uh, I think one last thing I would I would like to say is that other people don't get to decide what losses are important to someone. It it could be a, a mother or a child, a, a sibling, but a major loss can also be an ex partner, you know, an an ex child, a child that you used to be the stepmother to. It can mm-hmm. be someone. It, and and in the you know it can be a pet. I mean, grief come it, grief can be from things that aren't even the loss of of a person. It can be the loss of a job. It can be the loss of a marriage. But all of those all of those losses do need do need to be processed. And it's very important that people are kind to themselves and recognize the seriousness of those of those losses so that they can heal from them. Uh-huh. Very much, very much so. Uh, grief is coming. If it hasn't come to you already, it is coming. It needs to be processed. You need enough information to be able to process it in your own way, in your own time, in a way that's meaningful for you. And uh, the the way to do that is to seek as much information as you can gather. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you very much for joining me on the Grief Stories podcast today, Mary. It's been a pleasure talking to you about how people can break through myths and misconceptions about grief. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you for listening to the Grief Stories podcast. I'm your host, Maureen Pollard. Please remember that grief is universal, but every person's experience of grief is unique. While our interviews are intended to help listeners feel validation and reassurance, we know that this story might be different from your own. Please visit our website, griefstories.org, for more stories of hope and healing.